Uh, here we are in the month of February. And uh, if you haven't downloaded our app yet, I definitely would suggest download our app. Click on Sermon Notes. Um, we won't be reading through everything, but you're going to be able to go back through and be able to spend time taking notes in there. February is Heart Month. Heart Month. And, and our hope this month is to do a heart checkup. A heart checkup on you and I to see the condition of our heart and take care of our heart because as our heart goes, so is our life. I want you to finish this statement for me that people often say, follow your heart. How many of you have ever did that? Follow your heart, but it's led you to some painful experiences in your life. How many? Come on, let's be honest. How many of you have followed your heart, but it's led you down trouble? Or following your heart when ice cream at 12 o'clock at night sounds great, but when you jump on the scale the next day, it's like, maybe I shouldn't have followed my heart. Uh, you know, if you and I are going to truly follow our hearts, it has to be redeemed by the Lord, restored by God. It doesn't mean that we can't follow our hearts, but we got to surrender our hearts and lives to him. And God wants to heal us from the inside out, from the inside out. Today, we're starting our ser series called Dear Heart, Dear Heart. And uh, I, I shared this with the team. I say, you know, I really want to focus on the heart. And I really truly feel like the Holy Spirit wants to heal people's hearts and do a heart checkup in their life. And, and, and we titled this, our team came up with this title, Dear Heart, and it comes from a song that oftentimes we think that we're being led by our heart. But how many of you know that, man, our heart can lead us astray, and sometimes we got to tell our heart what to think. we got to tell our heart what to feel, tell our heart what direction to go, that we can be misled by the direction of our heart. So you can turn your Bibles to Proverbs Chapter 4, verse 23, Proverbs 4, 23, it comes out of that uh, bookmark that you got today. And we're really going to be focusing on this verse for, the, um, for this foundational um, week this week. And we're going to unpack other aspects of the heart. So let's read this verse, Proverbs 4, 23 from the NIV. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. The title of my message today is Start With Your Heart. Start With Your Heart. I want you to turn to your neighbor and tell them, start with your heart. And in truth, if we're going to start with our heart, there's really three things that we should know about the heart and three things that we're going to unpack today. And number one, we have to prioritize our heart. Heart. Above all else, prioritize our heart. How many of you know that we guard the things that are most important to us? How many of you, before you walked into church today, you locked your car door? Regardless if you had money in there or not, they're going to go and steal receipts and other things from your car, but still yet, you took time to lock your car door. It's important to you, the valuables. Maybe you're watching at home before you went to bed at night. You locked your house door. For me, in, uh, I had a truck. I park it here at the church, and it, one day it was stolen from the church parking lot. Had an alarm system. They hacked it, broke into it. I had to go put in a better alarm system on my truck. And finally, we got that truck back. But we guard what's important to us. 
How many of you know uh, when you call your bank and you got to check the balance or make a transfer and they say, what's your password? And you're like, mm, date of birth, uh, mother's maiden name, something like that. You got to repeat it because it's important they're protecting your bank account. Even at the church, there's locks, security alarms, camera system because things have been stolen here before. We guard our family. We guard them in different ways. Um, for me, uh, I play baseball. I have a baseball bat behind my door. And it's not because recreationally I play baseball, but if anyone was to come into my house, God forbid, I'm sorry for you, but I'm going to protect my family. God's given me that responsibility. If you've come in to harm my kids or harm my wives, I'm going to protect what's important to me. You are going to protect what's important to you. Even with our kids, if you have kids or grandkids, today they got to wear on their bikes helmets and training wheels and knee pads. But for those of you who are older, you guys didn't grow up with that, right? And I think you guys turned out okay. But today we try to protect our kids with all of these things. Why? Because our kids are important to us. Our grandkids are important to us. We put fences around our homes to protect our property. We guard our relationships, finances, kids, but the Proverbs, right? Or Proverbs says, greater than all of those things combined, our priority is to guard our heart. I want you to turn to your neighbor and tell them you need to prioritize your heart. That's right. Prioritize your heart. Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else. More than anything else, above all else, the ESV says, with all vigilance. The NASB says, with all diligence. Everything you got, we got to guard our heart. It means keeping a careful watch over possible dangers and difficulties. And if you study that phrase in Hebrew, the meaning of that phrase can be said this way. More than guarding, guard. More than guarding, Guard And the writer of uh, Proverbs in Hebrew basically is saying that it's not just putting one guard on your heart. It's like setting two locks on your doors. You never just lock your car door. You set an alarm on it. Put a double guard on your heart. Not just do one guard, but two. We got to prioritize our heart. Our heart should be our top prioritizing uh, mechanism in guarding it and keeping it safe. Why? Because if our heart isn't in the right place, if we aren't healed and redeemed and restored, our hearts will lead us in the wrong direction. Why would the writer of Proverbs say that this is our number one priority? If you read the, chap the whole chapter, uh, the fourth chapter of Proverbs, what he's talking about is obtaining wisdom. That you and I are called to obtain wisdom. Above all else, we're to obtain wisdom and earmark of a wise person is someone who guards their heart we aren't to let every word spoken into our heart and into our life we're to put a double guard above guarding guard i want us to uh look at essentially what the bible is talking about when it speaks of the heart what it's talking about is not just a compartmentalized person or organ of us it's essentially talking about the whole person of us 
Over 96 times is heart mentioned in Proverbs and 600 times in the whole Bible. And the heart, when it was mentioned, was speaking about the physical attributes. It was the intellectual, the psychological, and the Hebrew, they thought and they spoke, which what they, what, what they summed it all up in is that it's really the center of who we are that governs what we do and how we react and respond. It's the center of our being. So let's examine four different biblical aspects of the heart. Did you know? Did you know that the heart has an intellectual capacity? Your heart has an intellectual capacity. The heart thinks, the heart ponders, the heart debates, the heart understands, the heart remembers. And I don't have time to unpack the whole scientific aspect of the heart. And I'm going to do that in, in other weeks this month. But our hearts have an intellectual capacity and even memory that's built in. They call it at times the double brain. We think that we just think with our minds. But actually our hearts also has the capacity to think. Second capacity, it has an emotional capacity. Right? How many of you, uh, your emotions, you've felt it, things like you experience joy and anger and sorrow and hate, bitterness, anxiety, depression, jealousy, lust, love. It's an emotional capacity of the heart. It, it can be very complex at times, and our heart cannot just think, but it has emotional capacity. The third way that our heart has capacity, it has a volitional capacity. What do I mean by that? A volitional capacity. Your heart has the ability to decide. It has a will. How many of you ever met somebody with just a strong will someone like you tell them no don't do that and that's the exact thing they go and do how many of you that was you right <laughs> that, that was me growing up my mom would say hey don't go do that I'm like gotcha mom when she's gone I'm like often going to do that my heart wasn't wise it was set on doing my own thing set on setting my own course we were watching that even as we raise our son and it's not a bad thing to have a strong will it's a great thing to have a strong will but our wills have to be directed towards the heart of God it's not a bad thing to have a hard will our heart has a volitional capacity means it embraces plans of action your heart will grab you then drive you and move you forward Matthew 6 21 says where your treasure is there your your heart will be also what do you value what's important to you what you treasure what you value what's important man there your heart will be also oftentimes I'm learning this that I have to change the way I speak and change the way I think I used to always say man I love ice cream Boy, I love chocolate chip cookies. I got to change the way I speak because you know why? Man, when my heart is set on that, I will drive from Kamana City down to KTA just before they close and my heart is set on those things. And I got to change the way I speak. The way I think it's not bad to have that, but maybe there's uh, an alternative to that. 
be careful what we think and what we say, because if not our hearts, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. What are you treasuring in your heart? What is your heart set on? What are you focused and constantly find yourself thinking about? Here's a better way of finding where your heart is. What do you spend your money on? That's a better one. What is that thing? Is there a hobby, a passion? For a while, uh, my, my nature, I tend to be sometimes addictive nature. So I got to stay away from things. And uh, I was playing Candy Crush for a while. How many of you know game Candy Crush, right? And if you're not careful, Lacey's like, you can play this game, but don't you go be buying lives on there. <laughs> and how many of you know that when your heart is set on climbing in Candy Crush and you're in the middle of the night in the bed going, somebody send me a life, <laughs> that you're willing to spend that money, a dollar, two dollars, to get another life on Candy Crush. Why? Your heart is set on those things. I know it was kind of a crazy, silly thing, but what you spend your money on is your treasure. Your heart will be also. Also, the fourth thing is your heart has a moral capacity, has intellectual capacity, emotional capacity, volitional capacity, a will to decide, but a moral capacity, meaning your heart can be gentle, holy, faithful. Your heart can be pure. And if we're not careful and it's not redeemed by the Lord, your heart can be proud, hateful, vengeful. Your heart can be downright evil. If not allowing the Holy Spirit to flow in and through your heart and life, that he will change and transform your life. If we're not careful, our heart will be perverse, running after different things. Each week we're going to unpack a different aspect. I already have my message for it next week on Valentine's Day. I don't want you to miss it, but we chase after all different types of things. But God wants us to set our hearts on him. Jesus says, what happens in your heart will shape your future. What you ponder, what you think about will shape. You, you know that you are in control of your future. And the things that you, shape, you think about and ponder on begins to shape your future. You know, the church historians and philosophers, they had this argument and, and, and this debate going that they said, are we, is it a dichotomy or trichotomy? And what I mean by that is people thought that we're this are, are we one part, dichotomy two? Are we body and soul when we die, but our soul goes? Are we trichotomous? Are we mind, body, and spirit? And, and if you understand the heart and go to the depth of it, we're not this split personality. What God is speaking of in the Bible, a biblical understanding of the heart, is God speaking of the whole person. So then when he speaks to us that he wants to heal and mend our heart, he wants to heal you completely. In entirety, we must start with the heart. Number two, we got to prioritize the heart. But secondly, we got to protect our heart. Protect our heart. How many of you for your heart, you take some kind of medication, blood pressure, or maybe it's uh, you take some kind of vitamins, right, pills to guard your heart. Maybe you exercise. How many of you exercise? That, that's another battle, right? And we gotta, if we're going to protect our heart, not just physically, we put importance, but also spiritually. How are we guarding that? 
Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else, guard the heart. I love what the ESV says. It says to keep your heart. And if we're not careful in this culture, in this day and age, we're constantly giving out our heart to people. Just randomly passing out our heart. And the writer of Proverbs says, if you're going to be a wise woman, a wise man, don't just give out your heart to anybody. You keep your heart. You keep your heart. You don't just give out any words to anybody or receive anything from anybody. You keep your heart. You ponder those things in your heart because God is doing something deep within you and I. That Hebrew phrase of guard your heart, like we said, the double guard. Another way of saying in Hebrew is in keeping, keep your heart. Or keep keeping your heart. Meaning that it's an ongoing process. How many of you that when you lock your door, right, uh, in, in your car, it's not a one-time thing. It's every day, right? You go work, you lock them. You go home, you lock the door. In fact, before we go to bed at night, she's like, did you, did you check the doors? Yes. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I didn't. Sometimes you're in a rush. When you leave the house and you forget to lock the door, you come home, it's like, uh-oh, we forgot to lock, right? That guarding doesn't happen in a one-time moment. The Hebrew phrase is, we keep keeping. We guard and we keep double guarding, meaning it's an act of your will that continues to happen every day. Just because um, you've let somebody in, you learn your lessons, you need to not just open up wide open and throw your heart to somebody else. You keep protecting and keeping your heart. I want to give you two ways that you can protect your heart, two ways of protecting your heart and and it's Super Bowl Sunday right Super Bowl how many of you are going to watch the Super Bowl how many of you don't even know who's in the Super Bowl how many of you are there just for the food (laughs) we got nowhere to go invite us we'll come over no I'm just kidding kidding not kidding (laughs) we're gonna bring our prepared meal anyway no no stop it move on all right I'll give you two things in honor of Super Bowl Sunday in this analogy of guarding your heart. Guarding your heart takes a double approach. We got to know how to play defense, but also how to play a great offense. How to play a great defense. We got to guard our, thing, our heart from things. But how many of you know that we got to play a great offense if we're going to win with our heart? That we got to guard, guard our heart towards something. Towards something. So let's talk about defense and the defense of your heart things we run from let's look at verse 24 the writer of proverbs goes on verse 24 he says avoid perverse talk stay away from corrupt speech avoid perverse talk and stay away from corrupt speech How many of you know that we're constantly being bombarded with information and people speaking to us? And how many of you know that many times it's not always good positive things. It's not godly things. That they are negative things coming. And when you hear negative words coming to you, you have the opportunity to guard or defend. When words of death are spoken over you, you have the opportunity to not respond evil for evil, but respond evil with good. I do not receive that word. Death is not spoken over my life. My life is in God's hands, and I speak life over me and life over you. 
we have the opportunity to defend in what we say. Do you speak life or death? When somebody comes to you and speaking words of fear, you're not going to have enough money to pay your bills. What are you going to do? Are you going to lose your job? Or are you going to go from here? You're going to retire. What's going to happen to your kids and marriage and on and on and these things. And if you're not careful, those words, if you're not guarding your heart, you let fear come into your heart. And this is where God calls you and I, if we're going to be great defenders, Super Bowl Sunday, defenders of our heart. He says, I do not receive those words of fear. I stand in faith. You don't know the God that I serve. You don't know what he's brought me through. And each time that I didn't have, God always provided a way. There were times I didn't have money and he provided. There are times that I was sick and he healed me. You got to speak faith in defense when things come your way. Are you speaking blessings or curses? How many of you know that even when we're raising children, that if we're not careful, we can be speaking curses over their life? The words we speak. Come on, don't, are you stupid? Don't you get it? You're dumb, you're ugly, you're fat. I used to be called chubs and fat and all these things, and it was a joke, and it wasn't a joke to me because I was taking them personal. I took those things in my heart, right? And in the mirror, they were like, oh, chubs, come here. And in my mirror, I was like, oh, I am chubs. I'm the state buff marshmallow man. And you know what, what was happening? There were words being spoken over my life. Sometimes people just unaware or just not being intentional with their words. But they were actually speaking words that were sowing doubt into my life. And every time I look into the mirror, I'm like, yeah, you don't look so great. And we need to speak words of faith and hope. Are you speaking words of hope or despair? Are you speaking words that build up or tear down? As we're raising our son, Chison, it, I'm still learning this. And Leisha is helping me learn as a father to help me teach our son. She's like, you know, you can't be so hard. I, we, how many of you know that sometimes we tend to be like our parents or grandparents or whoever, right? And my father was like, I talk once, right? Like, I, I, no, no, make me talk twice, cracks, okay? Talk once, that's it. And, and, and if we're not careful, we take that mentality into how we raise kids, right? And I tell her, I'm like, you know what, this is it. Hey, talk once, like, clean that room. I got to talk twice, three, five, ten times? No, no, no. And she's like, you got to be patient. Speak words of life. Redirect him. Give him hope. I'm like, oh, this is hard work. Parenting is hard work. <laughs> Having a healthy marriage is hard work. It's learning to speak words of life and hope. So what do we run, uh, run from or guard from? Let's look at verse 25. Avoid perverse talk, but verse 25 says, let your eyes look directly ahead. Let your gaze be fixed on what is straight in front of you. Look straight ahead. Guard yourself from distractions. How many of you know that when every football team gets and starts off the season, they just got one goal on their mind? There is one goal. And what's the goal for every football team? To win, not get to the Super Bowl. You've missed it. What good is it getting to the Super Bowl? The goal is to win the Super Bowl, I'm going to sacrifice. I'm going to set distractions aside. I got my eyes set on the prize and the goal. Even so in your life, you better have your eyes set 
wholly on the Lord. And if your eyes and, 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 and your eyes aren't heavenward to God and heavenward to him and his heart and truth, you won't know how to love your spouse if you're married. You won't know how to love your friends and love your family and love your kids. Our hearts have to be set straight forward. What are you looking towards? Guard what your eyes see and the distractions of life. Be careful what you let into your eye gates. The movies you watch. Cable. I, I canceled my cable. This is a bunch of garbage anyway. And I didn't want to pay that high expense. Sorry, Spectrum. Anyway, I was like, I'm going to go with something else. I'm like, I gotta, YouTube is free anyway. We watch a whole bunch of stuff on there. And, and we got right now media now. We got biblical programs and things that we can watch. And if we're not careful what you watch on Facebook and Instagram, even on YouTube, on movies, on cable television, the stuff they have today is like unheard of 20 years ago. And it keeps moving if we're not careful and we're not guarding our eyes. Why are we guarding our eyes? Why are we guarding it? Because the eyes are the gates that start to seep into our heart. And we start thinking and pondering things that we begin to see do not compare yourself with other people set your eyes solely on the goal let's talk about number three let's read verse 26 the writer says verse 24 25 26 watch the path of your feet watch the path of your feet and in all your ways they will be established watch the path of your feet so What's the writer saying? That we're going to guard our eyes, right, from that sight. We're going to guard that direction. But then we're going to watch where our feet goes. I love what the NIV says. The NIV says, give careful thought to what path you take. Give careful thought to what path you take. How many of you have ever made a decision in your life took a path in your life relationally, financially. You thought you could afford the car. You thought you could afford the house, but you never really carefully thought. You thought that was the right person for you, and you just willingly gave your heart, and you took that path. How many of you, led, it led you down the wrong road? That you didn't carefully think out the path. What are you putting your eyes to where is your feet and what's the path that you're heading on oftentimes I'll, I'll speak about myself growing up I was very uh the bible calls it in proverbs a foolish young boy a foolish and my mom would remind me and she would scold me and I, I I love and appreciate my mom and she wouldn't always crack up my father would at times crack my mother would talk and sometimes the talking was worse just just crack me get this over with let's go on but she's gonna talk and she's talking, and she's like, you know, son, she says, you got you to gotta watch, guard your heart. You need to read the book of Proverbs. You're making foolish decisions. You got to be wise. Wise. I'm like, wise. I'm like, I'm enjoying life. But if we're not careful, the foolish person, a foolish man, a foolish woman, doesn't give careful thought to the path they will take. Can I encourage you? One decision can forever alter the course of your life. Financially, relationally, you get hooked up with the wrong person, it can take years and sometimes your heart never recovers from it. One decision, one path. Are we careful with the path that we're choosing? 
for me, I, I, if we're not careful too, we can tend to blame other people for the path that we're on. I, I, I don't have time to unpack this one. You come back next week, and I'm going to unpack this a little bit more about it, but we can hide in different ways and we shift the blame onto other people when God is trying to shine the light and say, well, you have wisdom to choose a better life than what the cards you were dealt with. We have responsibility. NLT says mark out a straight path that we're not to just think and see the clear path. The NLT says, go mark that out. How many of you have ever been hunting before? They mark trails, right? That you can find your way back. If you're not marking your trails, after a while, you get lost, you turn around, you go, how did I get here? How many of you have ever been in life? Turn around and go, how did I get here? What, what decisions did I make? How did I, if we're not careful, our heart will lead us deep into the wilderness. If you're not planning it out, marking it out, and following the Lord, you will be lost and more hopeless. This is the result of what we do when we're marking our path out straight. The ESV says, your ways are sure. The NLT says, it's a safe path. I want you to know following the Lord is a sure path and a safe path. I'm going to say that again because some of you don't believe it. You come to church, but you don't believe it. You hear it all your life from your parents or grandparents. Following the Lord is a safe path and a sure path. It will breed confidence into your life. The longer you serve him, the sweeter it gets. The longer you serve him, the sweeter it gets. Guard your heart. Double guard it. Okay, we talked about defense. Let's talk about offense. I, I got to hear you. Let's talk about offense. We're defending our speech, our path. But now how do we move forward in offense with our heart? We guard from. Now what will we guard with? We guard with. We guard our hearts with the word of God. Can I encourage you? This is why we're, we're memorizing scripture. And, and we do it all the time with our kids' church. And this year, you know what the Holy Spirit told me? It says, you know, the kids memorize scripture, but if these adults would get the word of God, it would transform their kids' life. I said, Lord, well, isn't that a revelation? <laughs> if these parents, if these grandparents would get the word of God hidden in their heart, it says you work it so hard on the kids, but when they go home, the word isn't being alive and active and living it out. Can I encourage you to get the word of God deep in your heart? Psalm 119, 11 says, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. You want to go on the offense? Hide God's word in your heart. How does Jesus go on the offense when Satan comes and he tempts Jesus before going to the cross? He says, go up to the pinnacle, throw yourself down, command these breads into stones. And Jesus is defending against the enemy. How does he move on the offense and pushes the enemy back? He moves on the offense with the word of God. He says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. And Satan's like, oh, oh, okay, okay. Oh, he know the word. You want to, sometimes we're great in, as Christians of guarding and defending against the enemy, but we're not equipped to move forward in the offense to begin taking territory back in our marriage, in our family, with our children, that we can't just defend our heart. We got to move forward in the offense with our heart. Hallelujah. About three of you are getting this. Are you getting this? Because, man, I was like, Lord, this is good stuff. Guard your heart with his word. Guard our hearts with joy. Guard our hearts with joy. Proverbs 17, says, a cheerful heart is like good 
medicine. A cheerful heart is like good medicine. I love the second part of this verse. It says, but a broken spirit saps a person's strength. How many of you have ever been with a broken heart or a broken spirit before? How many of you know what it's like to feel like your strength is gone? Like you don't even want to wake up. Can't even face tomorrow. Facing difficulty and hardship. And I pray that the joy of the Lord would be your strength. That he would renew your heart and your joy. And joy is it happiness. Because happiness is temporary fixated on things that we Joy is rooted on a person, and that's the person of Jesus. He's consistent. How else do we guard our hearts in offense? We guard our hearts with praise and worship. We guard our hearts with praise and worship. Psalm 57, 7 says, my heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. From the time I wake up to I go to bed, I drives people nuts at times in the evening. Alicia, I'm blasting music, and I'm like, boom, boom. I'm like, I got to hear it. I got to feel it from the time I wake up. And why? From the morning, I'm already praising him. And we're, why is that? I'm already preparing myself that when the enemy tries to come against me, I'm filled up with your praises, Lord. I'm ready to move forward that you're not going to get me backed into a corner. You begin moving forward by praising and worshiping. Be careful what you're listening to. Guard your hearts with prayer, Colossians 4.2. Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. How do you guard your heart? It's through prayer. At the close of the, the year, last year, spent time as the Lord. What is it that you have for this year, for my life, for the church, and for my life personally? This was the word the Lord called me. He says, you're going to pray more than you ever prayed before. And you're going to get on your knees and pray. And I, I knew, normally I'll kneel by my bed and, 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 and I felt like in my heart I had to get a, make an altar at my home. So I got myself a prayer bench and every morning that I, I set myself, I set my heart. I said, Lord, I'm not going to go anywhere till I've bent my knee in humble surrender to you saying, I need you. Holy Spirit, I depend on you. I don't want to go a single day without you. You want to move on the offense with your heart? We guard it in prayer. You guard it by being thankful. Gratitude allows your heart to begin to push back in, in offense. The moment we lose gratefulness, it's a slippery slope. Each morning I wake up, I say, Lord, thank you that I woke up this morning. It's a, it's a blessing, Lord. All that I have, I've got a roof over my head. I ate, my belly is full. I ate this much. I have so much to be grateful for. Thank you, God. Having a heart of gratitude will guard your heart. Guard your heart with God's presence and hide in his presence. I'll unpack that next week and guard your heart with fellowship. Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and 10. It says two is better than one. The enemy loves, and this is his tactic. If he can just isolate you alone. Get you by yourself, lie, sow seeds of doubt into you, and he has you alone. Then he can work you over. I want you to know that two is better than one. This is why we need one another in the body of Christ. This is why it's vital that we meet together and gather together because we need one another. This is why I want to encourage you to get in the connect group. Get in the connect group if you haven't joined one because we need 
one another. Set a double guard against the enemy. We must play both offense and defense. And finally, the last thing, prioritize your heart, protect your heart. But lastly, the potential of your heart. What I need you to know is your heart has so much great potential. It has so much great potential. Let's read the ending part of verse 23. When we guard, why do we guard our heart? The proverb, writer of Proverbs says, because everything you do flows from it. Everything you do flows from what happens here. I love what the NLT version says. It says, it will determine the course of your life. You know, want to know where you're headed to? What's your future like? All we got to do is do a little heart checkup and say, Lord, how's my heart? Oftentimes when I'm getting irritated and angry and, and frustrated with people and life and things that happen at the church or even in our relationship, I'm like, it's Laisha. And the Lord's like, no, it's not her, it's you. I'm going to do a heart checkup. I'm like, yeah, God, this, this thing, my own heart. The Hebrew word for everything flows from it, that phrase is your heart is like a spring. Your heart is like a gushing spring. What's in you will eventually come out of you. And oftentimes I tell people this, that trials and temptation and pain and grief, all it does is it reveals the condition of the heart. So at times when our heart isn't right, we can't handle that much amount of pain. Luke 6.45 says, The good person out of the good treasure, their heart produces good. Evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What's coming out of your mouth? The condition of your heart reveals itself in all aspects of life. As I was preparing this message, and I feel like the Lord gave me this analogy, says our heart is like a thermostat. Now, we don't have too much thermostats unless you get air conditioning at your house, but thermostat is the adjusting of the temperature. And once you adjust it, everything else has to align to what the set temperature is. Our attitudes, our words, our action reveal the temperature of our heart and the setting of our heart. Shows up in our attitudes when we flip out, are we humble? Augustine said this, that life is not changed by the acts of the will, but the loves of the heart. Sometimes, I don't know about you, but I've been caught up doing things that I shouldn't, caught up in sin in my life in the past. And I said, I'm just going to will this thing. You can do, I pep talk my Dion, you can do this. You can do this, Dion. You got this. I want you to know you're setting yourself up for failure. The biblical understanding of strength is humility. It says, I can't do this in my own self. God, when I depend on you, my potential is endless because your grace is endless. 
Your mercy is endless. Your provision is endless. When you lean and surrender on the Lord, it's endless, your potential of your heart. Some of us have experienced pain and heartache and trial and hurt and abuse. Some of us, our hearts are filled with grief and regret and remorse and vengeance and unforgiveness. And can I tell you, I don't have time to unpack it all today and unpack it in the next several weeks too, but it will literally, those things, if you hold on and harbor it, will literally shrivel and shrink your heart. Literally shrivel. People die of a broken heart. We'll unpack that in another week. The Lord wants you to surrender that thing because your potential, if you take that in and don't surrender it and get healing, your capacity to love others is your ability to receive love. And if you can't receive and know how much God loves you, you can't pour out from the overflow. And I'm understanding God's love for me, and it humbles me. And it makes me hit my knees and say, God, you could use anybody else. I don't have to pass this church. You could pick anybody else, Lord. And it humbles me to know that God would pick and choose the foolish things like you and I. It's our dependency on Him. I want us all to stand as we close. The potential of your heart. Some of us have been praying for bigger businesses. Some of us want to get into a relationship. Some of us want kids want other things and I'm not saying that I'm not lumping it all together but sometimes I'm finding this too as I counsel couples who are uh, single and, and, and getting ready I said prepare your heart the best thing you can do is not go search for somebody else right now the best thing you can do is expand your heart heal your heart Allow the Lord to come into your life and heal you from the pain, the hurt, and the brokenness. And I often say this statement, and I know it bears repeating, that hurt people tend to hurt people, but healed people heal people. God wants you and I healed so that we can heal others. Will you allow the Lord to heal your heart, your grieving heart, your broken heart, your empty heart? There is great potential of your heart. You will allow the Holy Spirit into your heart and life. He will heal. And you can give those things over to Him. And He will tr trade those heaviness and pain you've been carrying. And replace it for joy and gladness. As we wrap up, I felt like the Lord said, You speak prophetically over them. That this year, I truly believe for those who will allow and open up their hearts to, not to me, but to the Lord. You say, God, I give you every place of my heart and my life, my pain, my grief, my trauma, my abuse, and all those things. God wants to heal, redeem, and restore you and increase capacity so that you will be able to love and lead more. God said, as your heart expands, your ability to lead and love also expands.